0: Uh, Mr. Paul A. Nielsen, you've been a Catholic for most of your life, converted at a very early age. What would you say, though, in regards to the loss of our, our sense of the sacred? What are some of those things that you've noticed over the years that have just changed and changed rather rapidly that is deeply affecting who we are as Catholic people?
1: Right. Well, well, David, um, when I became Catholic at the age of 16, um, it was right when the church was going off the rails. Okay. It was 1969 between probably halfway through that year. And um, I didn't learn how the church used to be until many years later. So I was (laughs) introduced into the church when uh, Jesus was a hippie and, uh, he was a pacifist and, um, you know, things were, were changed rapidly, rapidly in the culture. Um, so, you know, I didn't know any different. I never went to a, uh, a traditional Latin mass when I was young. Uh, in fact, I never knew they existed for a long time, uh, <clears throat> but years later, um, and and you know, my story uh, eventually became very serious about my religion and decided to learn more about it. And, you know, I tell that whole story and Chris must reunite my first book. And without rehashing that again, I'll I'll just say that uh, when I started to learn the true faith, it was eye opening, to say the least. You know, it was foreign, really. It was almost like it was another religion because uh, we had become so Protestantized and uh, the sense of the sacred uh, was being pushed to the side for Protestant-like masses um, and different things. But, you know, uh, I have come to learn and come to know through study and and everything that way before Vatican II uh, modernism crept into the church okay there were a lot of uh, priests and bishops who um, weren't very faithful in in the Catholic religion and and we know from people like Bella Dodd and you know uh, she's probably one of the most famous that testified about communists uh, Marxists, Freemasons, and uh, homosexuals infiltrating the church and becoming priests and so forth. And that was a, an orchestrated effort uh, for that to happen. And that was that was way before Vatican II, okay? And so they, um, a lot of these people infiltrated the church or trying to take the church down or change it into something else. Um, they were largely successful on many fronts, but in many other areas, uh, obviously, God wasn't going to allow that to happen. So, um, modernism, like I say, crept into the church. Uh, we had Pope John or Pope Paul VI, who made the, the comment uh, once that the smoke of Satan has entered the church. And uh, this is after he made several mistakes. uh, But I think uh, maybe he realized some of these things were wrong. And um, the damage was done. And there were many infiltrators that were already making these negative actions uh, happen. Okay. So um, there's a lot of evidence to, to this. You know, I mean, I'm not just... Saying these things, I mean, there there are books and there there are there are a lot of papers written, and you know this about uh, about the infiltration of the church. So they used uh, the event of Vatican II, and uh, after that, to initiate their negative changes in the church. They weakened the um, liturgy. Uh, considerably. And before you knew it, they were taking altar rails out of the churches, then they were taking tabernacles out of off of the altars and putting them in what they call reservation chapels, which is. Mm. Ridiculous and and it's uh, still that way today in, in many churches. So. <clears throat> you know that. That was the start of our decline from the sacred part. Uh, we, we, instead of having the beautiful Catholic hymns of the past, which as a young man, I didn't know about <laughs> subsequently learned later on, and they replaced it with folk music. And uh, in fact, <laughs> I have to tell you, as a young man, I was one of those guitar playing guys that played in church. <laughs> so I I participated in that as an ignorant Catholic. I didn't know any better. Um, so there's that. That's that confession.
0: <laughs> so Paul, you mentioned before you 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 brought up the the smoke of Satan um, that our Holy Father had 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 referenced. Is that smoke still in the church today, or is it no longer smoke but actually Satan? I mean, what's what's happened since Holy Father had mentioned the smoke of Satan?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he was he was hinting at the idea that um, uh, evil had penetrated uh, the highest ranks of the church in the Vatican and so forth, and he was so right about that. Um, yeah I, I suppose we're on fire today uh, you know with all that's going on uh, we know that Satan will never prevail against the church ultimately we know this so we can have hope in that you know um but after Paul the sixth made that made that statement you know in uh well, gee I forget the year Our Lady of Akita she she talked about the 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 same type of thing happening with bishops against bishops, and um, you know, things like that. So, that you know, all along the way, there have been um, references to what's going on and what is going to happen in the church. So, um, you know, were these uh infiltrators successful? To a large degree, yes, because they they made everything less sacred. And and then you and I have discussed this before. The uh, communion in the hand was instituted. And uh, to me personally, that is the one of the worst. uh, Things that happened to the church. I think that, uh, the reverence, uh, is taken away, uh, like father John Harden used to say, it's, uh, it's not like grabbing a cracker or a potato chip and, and putting it in your mouth. Uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, he makes that comment. Even to this day, he, he, he says we should not receive that way. And, uh, I know, Uh, Cardinal Burke and and many others agree with that, that that we should have never done that, should never have allowed that. However, most people now receive in the hand. Mm. No, Uh, they weren't taught. And, of course, if you're going to a traditional Latin Mass, everybody goes up and they still have the the rails. You kneel down, you you reverently receive our Lord. That's the way it should be in every Catholic church.
0: So when we consider like the loss of the sense of sacred, I, I think we, I mean, should we connect that with, um, with will we, will we hear if you believe the numbers or uh, at least the United States, uh, a very low percentage of Catholics actually believe in the real presence of the Holy Eucharist, perhaps around 20, 3%. And so clearly there's some sort of evidence out there that there is a loss of the sense of the sacred with the one thing that makes us unique as Catholic people, that we really believe that if you want to see Jesus Christ, we'll just come to the Mass. But only 23% of people, at least the United States, believe that. So, Paul, can you connect that with like the loss of the sacred and and sort of respond to what has been a bishop's response to that this eucharistic revival
1: yeah that's a nice nice thought and those are nice words but unless you do something substantial something that brings back the sacred like making the pronouncement that catholics will receive on the tongue from now on and As churches are able to, they will return altar rails uh, to the churches so that you can be on your knees when you receive our Lord. Uh, And it wouldn't take much for all tabernacles in every Catholic church in the world to come back to the altar, you know, because Christ is the center of it all. And. That's where he needs to be. And if you if you do these few things, that will return the sacred in a strong way.
0: And Paul, in regards to that, you, you had mentioned that the bishops had spent twenty-eight million dollars, or they're gonna spend at an estimated twenty-eight million dollars in Indianapolis next year for this National Eucharistic Congress, $28 million. How much, if if you're right, and I think you're onto something there, that if they wanted to turn this around, restore the sacred, this is a sacred, when it comes to the Holy Eucharist, they could have installed altar rails, they could have mandated receiving on the tongue and kneeling they could have they could even done a uh, a revival for a sacrament of penance and reconciliation which is needed if you're going to restore the sense of sacred with the whole eucharist it begins with the confession Paul, how much you think that would have cost <laughs> i mean we're talking about 28 million dollars for this thing that we're doing this kumbaya i think one person one of the teachers instructors in this conference had called it um but what's your thoughts? How much 28 million versus telling everyone to receive or <laughs> kneeling it on the tongue? What, what do you think? Right.
1: Well, you know, to, uh, I like to think I'm, a, I mean, what are they spending this $28 million for? I mean, what's it going to accomplish? Uh, how's it going to bring back the sacred? How is it going to restore the belief uh, in the real presence? Just how? I mean, are they gonna talk and, you know, people give speeches and sing songs, and what are they gonna do? Like you said, kumbaya, that's what it sounds like to me. It's just a, it's blowing smoke to me. <laughs> uh, you know, unless, unless something comes out about it that is going to help people return to the sacred, i I think it's, I don't know what they're doing. I think they're kind of, going through some motions, uh, and that's about it. In your
0: book, Restoring Catholic, Restoring Our Catholic Identity, there is one critique that you, you lodged. It was concerning the Catholic charismatic renewal. In opening chapter, you say, there is a phenomenon within the Catholic Church that exists and has become very popular since Vatican II which eventually came to be called the Charismatic Renewal. This movement stemmed from a Protestant movement that began during the so-called Reformation in the early 16th century. Do you, when you think about just the, the loss of the sense of the sacred and where we were and where we're at now, would you say that the the Catholic Charismatic Renewal has been a positive or no or negative influence in us um having a reverence in the pursuit of the sacred i'll uh,
1: I'll preface this by saying that i know people that were caught up in the the, uh, catholic charismatic renewal um they progressed in their faith and learned more about their faith and they left that behind okay what that is what that came out of was uh, Protestant Pentecostalism, a so-called new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay, wherein they think they can seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit and they can speak in tongues or they can perform uh, on-the-spot healings. Um, You know, different things like that. And, And they use the term baptized in the holy spirit we were baptized in the holy spirit now i've i know catholics involved in that movement today who say that we were you know we went to this meeting and we were baptized in the holy spirit well what i say brother or sister you were baptized in the holy spirit when you became a Catholic, when you be when you were a baby, uh, you know if your parents had you baptized, or wherever you were, whenever you were baptized uh, along the way. Because I was baptized at 16 years old. Okay, that's when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it's just they use a certain language, and um, I, there again, you get a lot of this nice sounding, sweet sounding. Jesus-sounding words when, in fact, they're not uh, part of the uh, doctrine of the Catholic Church, okay? Uh, In fact, there are, um, let's see, who was it? Boy, St. John at the Cross, I believe it was. He he said that actively seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit, can make one vulnerable to the devil's deceptions. So that's Saint John of the Cross said that, you know. And I and I've read that from several saints, you know. I mean, so uh, it's kind of dangerous in my mind, you know. And I don't know everything. That's for sure. But it it just it just has a, a, a bad feeling to me to seek after these things. Now, if you are a uh, a very contemplated contemplative individual, you go to adoration a lot, you pray a lot. um, If the Holy Spirit wants to bless you with true contemplation or some kind of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for, a special gift, Okay. That can happen and that has happened. But but when you get a several people in a hall or something like that and they're all seeking for to speak in tongues or to to have healings of several people in in this particular room or whatever, you know, uh, uh, that's a little dubious in my mind.
0: One thing about the charismatic renewal um, that you mentioned seems to tie in with with another thing that you mentioned in your book. So the charismatic renewal, this pursuit of gifts, it, it seems to have to me. It always seemed to be like an assassin's sort of motive because it's more concerned with what about me, you know, me receiving these gifts and me. It's a lot of me, me, me in this whole thing. At least my time as a process, that seems to be. What it was about, a bunch of individualism, such a lot of autonomy And today in 2023, I see a lot of autonomy, a lot of this, these rights that we say we have, that's about self, you know, right to um, do what I want to do with my body which is really uh, my right to do with, with your body, what I want to do with your body, whether it's abortion, whether it's in, um, euthanasia, whether it's, whether it's artificial insemination. Um, this autonomy is, we call it autonomy, we call it about self, but it's really just just assassins, people wanting to do with others other people's bodies. And you say in your book, you say over the years, confusion has come about regarding many of the moral choices Catholics must take during their lifetimes, but then you say, due to weak and indeed erroneous teachings by many bishops and priests in the church, it has been difficult to discern what is and what is not forbidden for Catholics. So, um, so that you were talking about Catholics there. That, that that's what this particular book of yours is is, a, is about I mean you, you wrote another concern we must unite but in, in this book you're speaking lots of Catholics but um, but is the Catholic Church can we say that the Catholic Church is largely responsible for what we see going on with the other half of the population of the world that isn't Catholic because they're on this same track before
1: things started to change in the Catholic Church Um, I would say that the faithful were more of one mind when it came to these moral choices because we clearly knew what the church taught uh, and we tried to live that way. And um, once things fell apart in the 60s and, you know, post-Vatican II, I think that is a... Starting block where things really uh, started to get bad fast. Uh, <clears throat> I think priests were poorly formed. Became poorly formed back then. They they didn't have uh, and and the, the, this goes back to the modernism and and the infiltration. Okay, where they uh, some of these people that infiltrated became bishops and so forth, and then uh, they got control of seminaries and and so forth, and then they started watering down the teaching and changing the teaching for for the priests, for the new priests, so a lot of them were badly uh, uh, taught and uh, malformed, and, you know, when you have people that don't know the faith they can't pass it on they can't teach it to the faithful so when <clears throat> things like abortion came up and contraception and uh you know they start talking about women priests and deacons and uh, <clears throat> uh active homosexualism you know i mean these things are um easy to teach about if you stick to the the real teachings of the church you mm-hmm. know uh, but the problem is the malformed priests, they didn't know it either. So they let a lot of things go. I mean, I i can tell you myself, when I was young, when Nancy and I got married um, in 1974, uh, we were told by a priest, you don't, you don't have to go to confession. And in certain, uh, you know, if if you have too many kids, Contraception is is okay. Can you believe it? You know, I, and I know that was going on all over this country and possibly all over the world. And and we wonder why we lost the sacred in the church. But see, this stuff can be a lot of this can be reversed if they if they take those actions regarding the Eucharist and, and uh, they they start teaching the the priests. And telling the priests to to hold classes and uh, instruct the faithful on the actual faith, not not having these programs like the Alpha program that was de, that was uh, devised by a an Anglican minister, and it's widely used in this country now It's thousands and thousands of parishes, and you know, uh, as you know, Cardinal Burke. Warned us all about that. Stay away from that program. It's not Catholic. <laughs> you know, and uh so they do, they do that thing and they 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 grab on to all these Protestant-like things, you know, and foist it upon the Catholics in the parishes. Now, what are we to do when we don't know any better? There are a lot of people that I know that go to Nova Sordo Masses and have never been to it. Latin mass, but they're great Christians and they love God and, uh, you know, but they don't know what they don't know.
0: Last question, as we wrap up your instruction and your your catechesis here, Paul, in your book, Restoring Our Catholic Identity, in, in chapter 17, you're talking about champions of the faith. And you say, if we are to ever restore our true Catholic identity and return to the true faith Jesus Christ gave us, we need to decide to fight back against the heresies and false teachers that have infiltrated the Holy Catholic Church. And so I want you to comment on that. But also, most importantly, as, as we wrap this up, I want you to also comment on this, this idea of fighting. We're like, What does fighting mean? But also, what is sacred about our Catholic identity? Because you use this term, Catholic identity. What What is sacred about that? Can you talk about those two things?
1: Yeah, Regarding that, our Catholic identity is knowing the faith as it was passed down from Christ and the apostles through his church too, knowing the true faith. That's where we start by by relearning the faith. Um, uh, what what was the other point
0: about fighting? What, what type of oh, fighting? Yeah. Am I just going to go up to I'm going to go up to James Martin, the Jesuit and just like sucker punch wow. you in the face like we do up in up in Youngstown. Is that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: you know, I, I use those words uh, because we're in a spiritual war. You know, whether people like to admit that or not and say, we are in a spiritual war, David, and uh, there's no other way to confront that. We have to fight heresy. We have to oppose, uh, if we have to, bishops and priests and even the Pope when he's wrong. And he's been he's been doing some things. I I don't know what he's thinking. But anyway uh you know we we need to oppose things where they're wrong um and we need to stop in the catholic world we need to uh, like i say in the first book we need to reunite we need to know that everybody who has an apostle like you have yours i have my little one and we have big ones like church militant and life site news and all these great things every all of them are outstanding i love them but they have to get together and respect one another's way of going about it we each have different ways of going about it not everybody's going to think exactly alike but but if you're 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 uh, believing in the true teachings of the church and that's where your starting point is. Okay, you have a lot of common ground because that's the main thing right there. Okay, the main thing is our belief, uh, our sacraments. We have to believe in the sacraments. We have, we have to. The sacraments need to be taught to the uh, to the ignorant faithful out there who, through no fault of their own, don't know. You know, these are some of the things we can do, David. Uh, you know, and I pray for this all the time. And, and you know, when I say fight, I pray for James Martin. I pray for the Pope. I I pray for all of the wayward uh, clergy out there that feel like they want to change things. And. Who knows what's going to happen? Happened in uh, when is it October? The synod of uh, synodality. There's another possible fiasco because we don't know what's going to come out of that. And I, I've been hearing some horror stories about what is going to come out of it. And I sure hope they're not true.
0: Hmm. Paul A. Nelson, thank you for this catechesis and instruction on returning to the sacred. Thank you.
1: Very welcome, David. Thank you.